Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Everybody online, good to see you. Although I can't see you, it's good that you're being seen or something. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I do have a baby dedication for Valentina. So the Gomez, if you would come up here, Marcelino and Brenda. I want to appreciate all these families that are working so hard to increase the numbers of our church. It's just a sacrificial gift unto the Lord, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Look at this beautiful baby. She didn't cry when she saw me, which, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> there... We, I dedicated six children in the first service, so, so uh, it, it's, the Bible tells us that children are a blessing. It's, it's, a, it's a treasure. And there are no spiritual grandchildren in the kingdom of God. In other words, no one automatically becomes a Christian. You can't be born a Christian. You can be born into a Christian family, but at some point... Every child has to make a decision for themselves to follow Christ. So when we dedicate a child, that it's not ensuring that child's salvation for eternity. What we're doing is saying, as parents, this is not on the kids, this is on us. The, the parents are dedicating themselves and they're going to do everything possible to show these children what it means to follow the Lord. They're going to do everything what, possible. What it means. They're going to teach them how to pray. They're going to gather in their rooms at night and, and you know, pray for you know, crazy things that kids pray for and, uh, all, and learn how to pray, learn how to worship, learn how to attend church, <laughs> learn how to serve. And so they, they, lear they, they learn. And so then, then their entrance into the kingdom, you've built a big, wide road for them. It's, they still have to make a decision for themselves. And so it's the parents are accepting this responsibility. You accept that responsibility. That's why you're here, right? And then as a church, we accept that responsibility. We're saying we're going we're gonna to help. We're going to help. We're going we're gonna to work in the nursery and do battle with the forces of darkness. You know. Uh, you acknowledge that, you know, this, this, this family's going to need some help. I mean, they've got, they're going, they're going to have parents and grandparents and people involved and all of that. But as a church family, we have to do our part. Do you agree to do that? Do your part? I mean, some of you need to sign, some, some of you need to sign up right now. <laughs> so let's stand and pray for this beautiful baby that I'm going to get to hold. Hey, hey there. Look at, look at everybody. Look at everybody. Look at that. This is Valentina, right? Valentina. Isn't she beautiful? I mean, look at, she, she had to be. <laughs> she, she's your sister. You know what? She's almost as pretty as you. But, but not there yet. She'll maybe grow up and be as pretty. Father, we thank you for this child. Children are a blessing from the Lord. They're an inheritance from the Lord. Lord, we, we thank you for this family. We pray, Lord, that you would use them to bring this child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We pray for this church 
that we each would fulfill our role to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, that we would serve in your kingdom, Lord, where you call us. And Lord, you would use this child to your glory, that she would at some point come to faith in Christ, that she herself would say, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, and I want to serve him all the days of my life. And that, Lord, you would call her to your glory and call her to yourself and call her to relationship, call her to your family, call her into the kingdom, and that you would use us to do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Man, you may be seated. How you doing? Okay. So we were talking about worry. Overcoming worry. There's going to be a couple of people that think I'm going to be picking on them because I'm talking about worry. But, uh, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm not picking on you individually. But yet, uh, if you're a worrier, this is for you. <laughs> I wasn't going to call you out, Gina. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> but we were talking one day, and Gina said, I'm a worrier. And I said, well, we're gonna, I'm going to be preaching about that. I didn't, I didn't, this wasn't just for Gina. I bet there's more than one person in here that worries, right? So things that go bump in the night, the things that, things that wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you... And you worry about them. We all have those things a lot of times. How do we deal with it? How do we overcome worry? Because worry is, worry is, is almost natural. You know, and it's hard sometimes to separate what is a legitimate concern, what's a legitimate planning and preparation and worry and anxiety. Scripture is really clear that we shouldn't be anxious. To be anxious, Jesus says, you know, don't worry. So we want to differentiate between worry and and anxiety and, and planning. So, you know, a lot of times we rationalize. You ever rationalize your sins? You know, make them sound a little better, you know? You know, I'm not worried. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm concerned. I'm just concerned. Yeah, there's always a good way to church it up a little bit. You know, I'm just praying about it. So how do we do it? Matthew 6, verse 25. This is Jesus. So he's our, he's our authority, right? You're not sure? Oh, thank you. Okay. For this reason, Jesus says, I say to you, don't be worried about your life, about what you will eat or what you'll drink, or for your body is what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Then they give you some relief and know that you're worth at least a couple of birds. You feel better this morning? Okay. Maybe two sparrows, you're worth. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? So by worry, you can't make your life longer. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and they don't toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and, thrown the, and tomorrow's thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So he's even saying to them, he calls them of little faith. Don't worry then, saying, so he's like saying in conclusion, 
Don't worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? This is like the third time he said this. Are you getting the pattern that he's saying? What's he saying? Don't worry about food, clothing, drink. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. The Gentiles being everyone else that was not a Jew. That's in, in, in Bible thinking. Everybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. So the Gentiles didn't trust God. They didn't have a God to trust. He said, so it makes sense for a Gentile to seek these things because they don't have a, they don't have a God that they can trust. He said, but he's speaking to a Jewish audience. He's saying, the Gentiles worry about these things. You shouldn't be worried about these things. So he's saying, the Gentiles seek these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of for itself. Each day will have enough trouble of its own. So you don't need to worry about tomorrow. There's plenty to worry about today. <laughs> you're you're going to have trouble today. And you're going to have trouble tomorrow. There's no need to worry about it. It's gonna, it's gonna, you're going to have, how many of you know you're going to have trouble tomorrow? You know when you quit having trouble? I'm not, this is encouraging. You quit having trouble when you're dead. So if you don't have any trouble, you're dead. Or you just don't know it. <laughs> right? So Jesus said, the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The root of all worry is not believing that God is your loving heavenly Father. It's, it's not accepting that God is your loving heavenly Father. You may believe it. You may say you believe it. But our actions of worry deny it. Chronic worry, fear, and anxiety means you don't trust that God knows what's going on in your life, or he doesn't care what's going on in your life, or you don't believe that Romans says that he's causing all things to work together for our good. You just reject what God says about you. Psalm 103, verse 13. Just as the Father, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now, this is one of the most important things the Bible tells us about God. Jesus came to show us the Father. Jesus came to reveal even to a greater dimension what it was like to have a loving Heavenly Father. So Jesus came to show us the Father. So look what Romans 8 says. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, which, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, which is to say, which we cry out, Daddy, Daddy. It's a, it's a term of affection. It's a term of endearment. You, uh, Daddy, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we also may be glorified with him. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came so that you could have a family relationship with God as your father. So what does that mean? What does it mean to have a family relationship with God? I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you. There are two aspects to fatherhood. First, there's the physical existence. I mean, everyone has a physical father. And in that in a broad sense, God is everyone's father because he's the creator. None of us would exist outside of God. He's, 
He spoke the world into existence. In him we live and move and have our being. He's the substance of all things. By him all things hold together. Colossians tells us. So God is the source of all things. And, and in that sense, God is everyone's father. But there's also a particular sense of father of how it relates to relationship. You can father a child and not be a father to that child. We, so we would say a, a father is not just someone who creates a child. A father is someone who is in relationship to a child. So God sent Jesus to bring us into relationship with God, and it's, but it's not automatic. It's for those who receive him. In John chapter 1, verse 11, he came to his own, and those who were, were his own did not receive him, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the right, to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, the name of Jesus, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So how do you come to a relationship with the Father? You come to a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ by believing in Jesus as being sent from the Father and receiving that relationship in return. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. So you're not an orphan. You're not an orphan because you've been chosen by God and placed in his family. You have a loving, caring, heavenly father. He chose you. You know, that's the way adoption works, right? So God chose you. He picked you. He handpicked you. He wanted you. God wants you in his kingdom. He's chosen you. He said, I want you. That's how adoption works. The father makes the choice, not the child. He'll never let go of you. Your mistakes and failures don't turn him away. Why? Because Jesus is our righteousness. He'll never give up on you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. God loves being your daddy. And he loves helping you with your problems. Now, I love my kids. And if you're a parent, you love your kids. And I love helping my kids with their problems. If, I can, if, if there's anything that I can do, I can, I'm going to do it. I spent untold hours underneath an old Mustang so that Landon could blow out another transmission. <laughs> and I spent... Endless hours with Logan underneath another Mustang. Lauren's, I'll, I bought her newer car so I didn't have to work on them. <laughs> but I still, still ended up blowing the motor and had to change that. So anyway. But I'll do anything for my kids. If my kids were to call me and say, hey, I'm 300 miles, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Little Rock and I've got a flat. I don't know what to do. I'll say, I'll be there in four hours. If you want me, if you need me to come, I'm going to drop what I'm doing and help my kids. And all of you are exactly, I'm, I'm not a better dad because that, that's just what being a father is all about. It's not even rational. You know what you want to say. Now, today what I might say, okay, all right, I've gotten older and I've learned a little bit. What I might say is, I will Venmo, or let's say, I will put 
I will put $100 in your account. Just call the tow truck. <laughs> Just call the tow truck. And so I have, I have learned a little bit. But I, I'm going to do everything I can. I, I can remember I, Wayne and Mary were in the first service, and Wayne and Mary Goodell went. They had a child broken down. They live in Mesquite, and they had a child broken down in Louisville. And they got in their car and drove to Louisville. And that night was a tragic night. Someone then ran into them, and they both ended up in the hospital. But they were, if you asked them, would you do it again? They would have done it again. That was just their heart. Now, here's what the Bible says. I'm evil compared to God. You're evil. If you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask Him? You're evil compared to how good God is. So we need to understand that. It's a great relationship. He loves you, and He loves, he loves being your daddy. He loves taking care of you. Ze- Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst. A victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. Did you know that God exalts over you? Now, I don't know if you know, reckon this about your kids. Aren't, are your children different? I mean, they didn't come out, even though they're not, diff- they're not the same. The same mom, same dad, we all hope and believe. <laughs> I mean, that's our hope, right? It's got to be the same mom. So. <laughs> but they're, they can be vastly, you, you can have three different kids. All, all of my kids are way different. They just have different values, different personalities. They're, they're just different. Now, do you think God doesn't delight in you being different? I mean, he, he created this whole mess the way it is so that we would be different. You, you're unique. You're different. You're, you're the things you value, the things that you enjoy. And God looks at that and he doesn't say, oh, man. They're driving me crazy. He says, man, I love, it when they, I love it when they do their thing. I love it when they do stuff they love. You know, when he sees Ricky, Ricky's a songwriter. He's been writing songs forever. And when Ricky writes songs and plays his songs, God delights in that. That's, so what do you do? What, what do you do? God delights in it. He delights in you getting to do what you love to do because he delights in you. He's, he's, he loves you. It's, he's, <laughs> he's not tolerating you. Well, I can just put up with him until I get him to heaven and I'm going to change them all. <laughs> you know. Even in heaven, you're going to have a unique name that only you and God know. Did you know that? Because God wants you to have a special relationship with him for eternity. That's how much he loves you. He's not mildly disgusted with you. He he's, loves you. He loves you. So it means we live in a relationship. That's so powerful. We need to understand that. If we, we live in a relationship, we live, it means we live in grace. Psalm 103.13, just as the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Because God is our Father, God loves you permanently in spite of your flaws. 
Now, see, if you work for a boss, you can have a great relationship with your boss as long as you're performing. Right? I mean, Paul, Paul sells pools for a living. Right? He's not, he's not going to acknowledge it or anything. He's just going to give me a dead stare like I have no idea what I'm talking about. But so Paul, Paul Geasley, <laughs> I, I woke him up. Uh, so, <laughs> so Paul, Paul sells pools, and he's, he's successful at it. He does a good job at it. Now, what if he quits selling pools, and he doesn't show up for work, or he doesn't show up for his sales calls? The boss who loves him will stop loving him. And that's true for all of us. I mean, every job that you have, I mean, even, even if, if I don't, every job is based on performance. I got to show up. You know, if, if I just phoned in and said, here, listen to this uh, Robert Moore sermon. It's really good. I'm not going to be there today. It didn't, you could, I said, well, there's, I'm feeding the sheep. I'm doing, but it's, your job with your boss is based on your performance. You have to perform. If you don't show up, if you don't do the job, you don't have the job. You got to do the job to have the job. But see, a family's not that way. A family operates differently. In a family, if you're in trouble, the attention intensifies. In other words, if, if you see a child that you know, that's kind of seems to be going off the rails, seems to be losing their way. You don't think, well, so much for them, you know. Instead, you, in, you intensify your efforts with them. You try to spend more time with them. You try to figure out what's going on. You, you, you try to help them out. You, you do everything you can to help them through the crisis. You think, well, they're getting, re- those teenagers are getting rebellion. Well, I'll just give up on them. Well, you don't give up on them. The, relation, the relationship intensifies. When you, when you love someone, when they're in crisis, the relationship intensifies. And you can see it in the story of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son wanders off, and he's taken his inheritance with him, and then he spends it in riotous living, and then finally he comes to his senses, and he said, you know, I'm going to go back to my father's house and at least be a slave, because being a slave is better than being while I am here. And he, and he starts his journey back home. And what I love about the story is that his father sees him from a long way off. Why did he see him? Because he was looking. He was waiting. He was expecting. He was hoping. He was believing that his son was going to return. He was praying. And then one day as he's praying, he looks up and says, that looks like him. That is him. And he runs to meet him. And that's the relationship we have with God. It's, it's when you mess up, it's not like, oh, now, now God doesn't care. No, he loves us. It's not based on performance. It's based upon his heart, the father heart of God. Everything else God is, everyone God is, is filtered through his father's heart. Jesus came to show us the father. Number three, it means we live by prayer instead of worry. We live by prayer instead of worry. So Paul tells the Philippians, be anxious for nothing. In fact, like some of you say, I am. Nobody has to pay me to be anxious. I'm anxious for nothing. (laughs) Just, you know, you say some people, some people you have to pay them to be good, but some people are good for nothing. So, uh, 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, consider worry and anxiety as agents of the enemy to rob you of your peace and joy. Consider worry and anxiety agents of the enemy that are scheming to rob you of God's peace and joy. And so, so one of the ways to do with that, you need to recognize worry is sin and say, this worry is sin. Don't coddle it. You know, don't nurture it. Don't protect it. In other words, we want it laid bare by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God says, okay, don't worry. You don't say, well, but I can't help it. Well, you can't in your own strength, but you can in God's strength. So how do you do that? Well, you want to turn your worry into prayer. So you turn your worry into prayer. How do you do that? Philippians 4, 6 in the message says it this way. I think it'll help you. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. So you ever have problems when you pray? So you're praying, and you got your prayer list. You know, you're praying for your kids and your job and your family and your money and your finances and you're praying, you know, the church, the kingdom of God, all the stuff you pray for and you're praying and your mind wanders. And you start thinking about, oh man, I got to go do such and such and such and such. So what happens is we start worrying while we're praying. So whatever it is you're worrying about, that's your prayer list. So you turn the thing that you're like, oh, I was praying, but now my mind keeps going to this. Pray about that. That's what he's saying. He said, Let, turn your worries into prayers. Instead of worrying, pray. Trust the Lord. Then you, he says, you want to pray it through. What, you know what that means? He says, I want you to pray it through until you have the peace of God that passes understanding. So you're going to pray. So you, you may pray about something one time and never, you, think, you think, oh, I've got to pray about that every day. Well, not if you have the peace of God about it. Sometimes it's prayed through. <laughs> you prayed, you have the peace of God about it. You're trusting God to answer that prayer. You don't, you just, you just don't have to keep praying about it in the same way. So how do you do it? You pray it with thanksgiving. Now, a lot of times when we think, well, of course, you know, I need to be thankful. I want to be thankful. He, but he's talking about praying with thanksgiving. How do we pray with thanksgiving? In John chapter 11, verse 41, so they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. So Jesus said, I'm, I'm telling them that I'm thankful you hear me, not because, because it's unique for you to hear me, but I'm saying this so that they'll understand that you hear me. So when we pray, we need to pray with thanksgiving. In other words, we need to pray. We say, Lord, I'm praying, and I, I, as I bring this worry to you, as I bring this fear to you, this anxiety to you, I, I'm thankful that you're listening to me. And I believe you're going to answer this prayer. I believe you're going to answer this prayer that, that's in the best way possible for me because you're my loving Heavenly Father. You, ever, you know, I think sometimes, here's a mistake we make. Sometimes we tell God how to answer his prayers. You ever, you ever want to do that? You know, God, if the check will come in on Tuesday by 3 o'clock, then I can rush it to the bank, cash it, 
then I can move that money to the other account. And then, God, if you'll just have that all to work out, then it'll work out. You know what happens? It never works that way. Here's what I found about God. He doesn't follow instructions very well. And that he doesn't do my plan, he wants me to do his plan. So when I pray, I need to be trying to get on board his plan instead of asking him to bless my plan. So much of what we do is that we're asking God. We've already made a decision. We've already signed the papers. And we're like, Lord, let the loan go through. It's like, is that how that works? You're asking the loan agent to hear from God instead of you hearing from You're asking for the bank, the world system to hear from God's will for your life instead of you hearing from God, God's will for your life, that's not how it works. That's how it often, it too often works. And then we think, how come I can't afford this? I prayed about this and God let it happen. <laughs> this is God's fault. So you want to pray with thanksgiving. You, Lord, I just I thank you that you hear me. I, I thank you that you care about me. I thank you that you're my loving Heavenly Father. I thank you that I have this opportunity to bring this to you. If you pray without thanks, with thanksgiving, you're just griping. If you worry without praying, you're just praying to yourself. Number four, it means we live with God's incom- incomprehensible peace. Easy for me to say. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is a peace that passes comprehension? It's a peace that doesn't make sense. You shouldn't have it. I'm going to call it crazy peace. It's not, it's not rational. It's not logical. Why do you have it? Because you trust God. Does it make sense? No. But you have a peace that passes under... It's, it's, it's not rational, but it's something that has been given me to God. It's the peace that passes understanding. Now, it says, and the peace of God. What kind of peace do you think God has? I think he's got pretty good peace. I don't think he worries. I don't, that God didn't wake up and say, oh, no. I didn't know this was going to happen. He... He's the God of peace. So he wants to give us his peace. And it's crazy because it it doesn't depend on stuff. And we live in a fear-mongering world. It's just like, if you turn on the news, it's like, are you afraid yet? Because give us 30 minutes and you will be. It's like Halloween, trick-or-treat every night. I mean, and and we, I'm, I'm driving to listened to a sermon this morning. They were talking about the end times. And, you know, it's like, oh, the end times are coming. Good. Yes. Come and get us, Jesus. I'm not a, I'm the whole, well, you need to know about the Antichrist. You know what I need to know about the Antichrist? Jesus is going to defeat him with a word out of his mouth. Well, we, we may have to suffer. There won't be to stop but I'm, I'm the boss of them. <laughs> it's a peace that passes understanding. It's a crazy peace. And it says it will guard your heart and mind. This, that means God will set up a mili- like a military guard. Where do, you, where do you worry? 
in your heart and your mind. So God will set up a sentry. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the Spirit of God will come in and protect your heart and your mind so that when worry comes, you can say, no, I have decided to put my trust in Jesus because I have a good, good Father. I have a loving Heavenly Father who cares about what I'm going through. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Now, some of you have got good reason to worry. You've got a lot of stuff going on. But God wants you to turn your worry into prayer and believe that He loves you and that He's bigger than your problems. And He's going to see you through. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you want to deliver us from the faith stealing worry that the world is trying to sell us. The fear that is all around us. But Lord, you are for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Yea, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who died for us. Lord, help us to slay worry by trusting you more. Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this together.